to the Square, Presbyterian Church, where we gather here in the presence of Almighty God to come and to worship. So it's good to be together. Uh, welcome to those who are joining us online as well. God has called us to come and to leave our uh, normal daily schedules to come and gather as His people to worship. So we thanks for that call in our life. Uh, if, you're, if you're visiting, we're glad that you're here. And um, anyone wants to learn more about the church, or you can check out uh, that card. It's on the welcome table. Uh, just want to share a couple of announcements as we begin our time. Um, inside the cover, you'll see information about the children's classes for today. There's a, a long nursery, there's a preschool class, there's children's worship, and there's a third grade class. And I'll discuss those kids uh, in just a moment. Uh, but I also just want to mention a few announcements. If you look at the back, you'll see that there's a number of things happening. And then the life of the, of the church, uh, things, you know, as Lent is getting closer. Uh, this Wednesday, March 2nd, is Ash Wednesday, beginning of the season of Lent, and we'll have a service here at 7 o'clock. We'll join with the Northside Church of Nazarene to do a service together. And again, it's at 7 o'clock with the position of Ashes and Sacrament Communion. Uh, also, this is a reminder that there is an intro to LSBC lunch on the 13th, so if you, no matter how long you've been coming, if you want to learn more about the church, meet some other people at the church, learn more about what it means to be a member, this is a great chance to come. So there'll be a lunch on the 13th after the church service uh, over in Rockwell. If you're interested, let me know. I'll make sure we have all the information. Uh, Matt Hinnon is going to share an announcement about a men's uh, event coming up. Uh, good morning. Yeah, uh, just to let you guys know, Friday, March 18th at 6 p.m., we'll be getting together at the Katie Center. So, for those of you who are excited about March Madness coming, that's uh, NCAA basketball. Um, we are going to get together as men and have a little bit of some fellowship together. So we'll have some food order then, and it should be a really great time. Feel free to come and invite any friends that you would like. So it'll be Friday, March 18th at 6 p.m. Good morning, Church. Uh, I'm The last thing just to mention is that today, after the service, we're having an extended uh, fellowship time over at our church office and community space. And that's at Rockwell. The address is in the quarter of worship. But everyone's invited to come. After the service, you can just head over there. Other than bagels and cream cheese, coffee. Uh, and, you, know, you can just kind of help yourself once you arrive. It's not a lunch. We're all gathered at the same time. But people can come. And we'll have chances to spend time together in the office space and in the community space. And also, if you like the winter sun, you can go out on the patio. But uh, if you head over there, it would be great to spend time together. At this time, the children are dismissed for uh, preschool class and children's worship in third and fifth grade. They can make their way to the back into the basement, and those classes will run through the length of the worship service. Let's take a moment now to prepare and look out of worship.
mean to you we turn as our source of refuge from the terrors and troubles of this world. To you we turn to find strength when we are weak and feel powerless in the world around us. As we rest in your holy and loving presence, still our hearts, minds, and souls, so that we might be renewed and comforted under the shelter of your protecting arms. Still our hearts, that we might know that you are God. Gracious God, too often, though, we do not seek refuge and shelter in you when there is turmoil and trouble in our lives. You are not the first place we go when fear takes hold in our hearts. We distrust your goodness and provision and believe the lies that there are other ways to gain what we need. Forgive us for our selfish pursuits and draw us again closer to you. Almighty God, we grieve the recent events and the war that has broken out in the Ukraine. We pray that this war would come to an end. We pray that you would protect the vulnerable, the refugees, the widow, the orphans, the children, and all those under immediate threat. We ask for your mercy upon the Ukrainian people, both across the globe and in their homeland. We pray for peace. We pray that your justice and righteousness would reign where fear and manipulation and oppression have taken hold. Lord, we lift up our world leaders. We ask that you give them wisdom and restraint. Remind them that their authority and responsibilities come from you alone, the King of kings and Lord of lords. As Jonah called Nineveh a city of violence to repentance, we pray that we would turn from the violence in our world, from the violence within our hearts, the leaders of the world would turn from violent actions and seek peace. Lord, we do pray for our missionaries and our brothers and sisters in Christ who are in the Ukraine. Lord, we ask that you would be with them, that you would give them wisdom and courage, and that they would seek the lordship of Christ and not nationalistic ideas or political ones. May our churches here and across the globe point the world to peace, the prince of peace, May we be a people of peace. Protect our hearts when they become gripped by fear. And may we be moved towards our neighbors. Enlarge our hearts and lives to be a people who seek to serve and love our neighbors, especially those who are not like us. We pray this in the name of Jesus Christ and by the power of the Holy Spirit. One God, now and forever. Amen. Well, as we continue to worship, God invites us into his presence with everything that we bring this morning. Our fears, our worries, our sins, the ways that we've wronged people, the ways that we have been wronged. I invite us now into a time of public confession of our sins, both publicly through responsive prayer and singing, and then a moment of quiet confession. Would you join me? Holy and merciful God, in your presence we confess our sinfulness, our shortcomings, and our offenses against you. O God of heaven and earth, you emptied yourself of power in order that you might heal your world. Teach us to empty ourselves of the things that destroy us and keep us alone.
How can you say to your brother, Brother, let me take out the speck that is in your eye, when you yourself do not see the law that is in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take out the speck that is in your brother's eye. For no good tree bears bad fruit, nor again does a bad tree bear good fruit. For each tree is known by its own fruit. For figs are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor grapes picked from a bramble bush. The good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good, and the evil person out of evil treasures produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. This is the word of the Lord. Well, this morning is the uh, our last sermon in the summer series on the Jonah, and I'm uh, thankful to be here with you to worship, and I'm thankful to have a chance to look at this Old Testament prophetic book with you. Just as a way of kind of setting our context and remembering kind of where we are. After initially fleeing God's presence and God's call, Jonah made his way to Nineveh, the capital of the powerful Assyrian Empire. And as he was called by God, he announced God's judgment on that city for their violent ways. And against all expectation, shocking to everyone who would have heard or witnessed it, Nineveh, a city known for its cruel violence and lack of mercy, they repent. They believe God and they turn from the violence. And when God sees this, God relents of the disaster that he said he would bring to them. Now our fourth and final chapter captures Jonah's response to God's mercy. We looked at this last week, but as a reminder, how does Jonah respond to this mercy? He's outraged. He burns with anger. He's exceedingly Displeased. If we can imagine them saying, This is wrong. I knew this would happen. This is why I ran away from you, Lord. For I knew what kind of God you are gracious and merciful, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love. Such people, such people as these, do not deserve your personal appearance. The final verses of the book tell us of God's response to Jonah's burning anger. And as it concludes, we hopefully will be reminded today that this book is ultimately about the enduring compassion of our God. A mercy that both lifts our hearts but challenges our purpose. So let's look at these verses together. We're going to read the last verse of chapter 3 and then all of chapter 4, but we'll focus on the final verses. You can follow in your order or Bible and listen as I read. When God saw what the people of Nineveh did, how they turned from their evil way, God relented of the disaster that he had said he would do to them, and he did not do it. But it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was angry. And he prayed to the Lord and said, O Lord, is not this what I said when I was yet in my country? That is why I made haste to flee to Tarshish, for I knew that you are a gracious God and merciful slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love, and lamenting from disaster. Therefore now, O Lord, please take my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. And the Lord said, Do you do well to be angry? And Jonah went out of the city and sat on the east of the city and made a booth for himself there, 
He sat under it in the shade, till he should see what would become of the sea. Now the Lord God appointed a plant and made it come up over Jonah, that it might be shade over his head, to save him from his discomfort. So Jonah was exceedingly glad because of the plant. But when dawn came up the next day, God appointed a worm that attacked the plant so that it withered. When the sun rose, God appointed a scorching east wind, and the sun beat down on the head of Jonah so that he was faint. And he asked that he might die and said, It is better for me to die than to live. But God said to Jonah, Do you do well to be angry for the plant? And he said, Yes, I do well to be angry, angry enough to die. And the Lord said, You pity the plant, for which you did not labor, nor did you make it grow, which came into being in a night and perished in a night. And should not I pity Nineveh, that great city, which there are more than 120,000 persons who do not know the right hand from their left, and also much cattle. This is God's word, given for our Well, as we look at these final verses together, I, I, I want us to see that in God's appointments and in his questions, we're invited to see two key themes that have run to the book. The first is God's patient commitment to Jonah. And the second, we're invited to see the mercy at the heart of God's character. So we're going to look at those two things in our sermon. First, God's patient commitment to Jonah, or we could say it another way, that God has not given up on Jonah. After his angry response to God's mercy, Jonah decides to stay near the city. He goes out and finds a vantage point east of the city and makes himself a shelter. I'm going to sit here and watch. Let's see what happens to this place. As I was thinking of God's relationship to Jonah, I, I thought of a piece of artwork by an artist named Scott Erickson. We've had his work up in our community space before, but he is an artist that uh, uses work often to talk about Christ and the gospel and the church. And one of the ones I really like that often uh, makes me laugh but also is encouraging to me is that there is a background of, of waves and a large shark. And coming out of the shark's mouth is an arm holding a flag. It's a long kind of pennant flag. And on the flag of the arm is, I am more than my circumstances. I am more than my circumstances. It is both uh, humorous and powerful. The wonder that we're invited to think about in our union with God and Christ, this reality that who I am is more than what is happening around me. Who I am or my life is more than the choices of others, more than even my sins or mistakes. That even in the midst of the shark, things that are fierce and terrifying, that who I am my very hope in life is resting in God's faithfulness, not my control for the actions of others. I mentioned this, and we're reminded of this more, I am more. When we hear, after Jonah's plans, we hear, now the Lord God. You notice in the text, after Jonah makes his plans, 
We read, now the Lord God, now even in the face of Jonah's response, even now the Lord in his mercy does not give up on you. We've seen this loyal love through the book, this loyal love of the storm on the sea. We heard it in the words spoken to Jonah by the pagan sailors. Even in the deep, after he had been thrown overboard, we saw God's loyal love in the waves. O Lord, your waves and your billows pass over me, cried out Jonah. We saw it in God appointing the great fish to rescue Jonah. And now we're invited here to see similar language. Now, even now, God appoints, he arranges, he provides. This time God's pursuit is not in a storm, it's not in waves, it's not in a fish, but it's with a plant, a worm, and a wind. And he might not see it right away. In fact, we know that he doesn't. But Jonah might come to realize through God's appointments that I am more than my running. More than my hiding. I'm even more than my anger. See, God makes three appointments to remind Jonah that he is not alone in his experiences, not alone in his conclusions. One author describes this moment that God is like a loving parent who continues to take his rebellious, his or her rebellious child by the hand to die with love. In his patient commitment to Jonah, the Lord appoints a quick-growing shade plant. It springs up over Jonah as a gift of shade for his head amidst the bright sun. And Jonah is exceedingly glad. It goes from anger to just wonder because of the plan. He's delighted. Things are looking up. His anger and displeasure give way to gladness. I was trying to think of something comparable to a shade plant. I, was, I thought maybe like you know, finding a parking spot would be really evil. <laughs> or you know, the bus or the train arrives just at the right moment. Or somehow, you know, that it was your day to get a free cup of coffee or or maybe if somebody got changed your schedule, suddenly you had like a half hour just to sit quietly. There's a gift. Something's happened. And Jonah's day feels more tolerable. But this gift, this plant, and Jonah's gladness is short-lived. For the Lord who appointed the plant now appoints a worm to attack it. In the early hours, the plant withers and dies, leaving Jonah exposed to the heat of the day. I can't believe it. This is just my luck. I finally found something that was good, and now it's gone. His gladness gives way to a new wave of anger. And then the Lord makes his third and final appointment, a hot wind from the eastern desert. This wind and sun together leave Jonah feeling faint. And in his discomfort, he repeats his prayer from earlier. It is better for me to die than to live. I'm done. I can't do this anymore. I can feel the shark, the circumstances around Jonah. Earlier, his displeasure was rooted in God's mercy for people that Jonah hated and feared. Now it's out of his physical discomfort 
the loss of what was making his day feel very comfortable. What God's appointments represent his patient commitment to Jonah, that he does not let Jonah go even when Jonah's filled with anger towards him. And these appointments, though, lead to two closing questions. And as we move to the second part of the sermon, these questions give us a chance to see the mercy that is at the heart of God's character. Reminding us again that the heart of this book is inviting us to think about God's mercy. The author, Isaac Babel, has a quote which says, No iron spike can pierce a human heart as strongly as a period in the right place. What does that mean? No iron spike can pierce a human heart as strongly as a period in the right place. This author is pointing to the power of words. The power of words of writing questions. The possibility that words or things asked of us can cut into our hearts, can break even into cold and hard hearts. And we see this here. God's approach to the one he loves. Questions, especially asked by God, are important in the scriptures. They cut past our assumptions. They cut through our defenses. The first question here is, Jonah, is it right for you to be angry? Do you do well to be angry about the plant? And I love Jonah's response. I appreciate his honesty. It's met with defensiveness. Yes, I do well to be angry. It is right for me to be angry about this. It was helping me. It was making things feel better. But after Jonah affirms that it is right for him to be upset over the plant, then God makes a statement and asks a final question. You pity the plant, you neither water nor planted, that grew up one night and died the next. Should I not pity Nineveh, that great city in which there are more than 120,000 persons and many animals? This is how the book closes. Inviting Jonah and you and me to wonder about this question, should God not pity them that they see? Now, I don't know about you, my sense in our culture is that pity, that word pity is usually negative. To look down on someone, nobody wants to be pitied, right? It's helpful that recognize that scripture uses that word differently. The way scripture uses pity, it carries this idea of grieving over someone or something. To have your heart broken that such that you, you look with compassion and you act with mercy towards another. And in fact, pity is used in Isaiah 63 to describe God's love for his people, Israel. The Lord said, surely they are my people. I became their savior. And in all their affliction, I was afflicted. In my love and in my pity, I redeemed them. I lifted them up and I carried them. In my pity, I lifted them up and I carried them. This is a beautiful passage that tells us about our God. And it tells us also about how it's fulfilled ultimately in the person of Jesus, the one who is afflicted, 
to carry our afflictions. The one who was afflicted to hold, make us whole and to lift us. You see, God's two questions to come together to bring us to his message, to invite us even to consider his very heart and what that means for you and me. Jonah, you had pity on the plant. You felt sorrow and sympathy for this gift. You have grieved and wept over this gift. Should I not also weep and grieve over a great city filled with many people who bear my image? Is it not right for me to weep over Nineveh? Should I not pity have compassion for a great city that does not know their right hand from their left, meaning that they do not know what is true or what is just? See, the book ends inviting us to feel the contrast between Jonah's pity and God's. And to wonder about our own. Jonah sees the Ninevites not knowing their right hand from their left as good reason to despise them. His pity and tears are merely for that which can give him some relief in his day. God is different. In God's eyes, the confusion of the people was a factor in his very compassion. So the closing question invites us to consider that our God is one who weeps over the evil, confusion, and lostness of the world. That our God is the eternal, holy creator who bears the affliction of his people with steadfast love. And this abrupt ending of the book leads us to ponder God's mercy for a seemingly unlikely belief. And it's our pity. It's our pity. Like Jonah's. Limited. Often defined by our own comforts. Or is it like God's? Expansive. Surprising. Even going across barriers that seem to not make sense. This closing question invites us here to embrace God's mercy. To know and to be reminded of this patient commitment to you. But it also allows us mercy to challenge our assumptions and our judgments towards our neighbors. Those who are deemed unworthy of such steadfast love. See, God's character not only invites us to rest in his mercy, but part of growing up, putting on our new self, also looks like rejoicing when others, even our enemies, experience it. Rejoicing even when we can share it with them. Jonah delighted in God's mercy towards him, but struggled to offer it to someone else. But God in his patience invites him and us to think again about what mercy can be. Amen. Lord, thank you for who you are. Thank you for your word and how it speaks to us both words of encouragement, but also challenges to our heart. So we ask for your spirit to lead us and to shape us, to let us find rest and hope in you. It's in Jesus' name we pray.
justice and correct oppression. You defend the fatherless and protect the widow. All your works are righteous, and so we join with your people on earth and all the company of heaven in the unending thing.
response to this table of mercy. Let us stand together as God's people that we can pray and sing and confess our faith. <clears throat> Lord Jesus Christ, give us steadfast hope in you. Deliver us and keep us by your Holy Spirit. Grant safe our hearts and minds as we proclaim the mystery of faith. Let's not go together and sing the gospel. 